Here's some of the figures from yesterday. 140 families received clothing. 51 haircuts. 100 boxes of food were given away. But the best of all was one salvation. Woo! Praise God. God is totally good. How many of you like springtime? Why do, why, why do we like spring? I mean, if you ask people their favorite time of the year, for me, it's spring. I like fall. It's pretty cool, too. But, man, spring is the best time because stuff springs up. It's a new season. We've come through that. Man, we had a cold winter. I, I just, man, I, that's why I live in Texas, so I don't have that 10 and 20-degree weather. In West Texas, but we had this cold weather. And I just, I'm always like, wow, I can't wait till we get some, get some heat, get some, get some rain. We need to be praying for rain, amen? Would y'all agree with me for, for rain? And, and when we see springtime, you start seeing the, the, the plants start showing up at the stores. And Mary Lou and I went yesterday. She went to Magic Farms. I went to, we went to Lowe's. We went to uh, Sam's. And we were looking at all the plants and trying to find a good deal in geraniums because they're kind of hard to kill, you know. <laughs> they're not too expensive. But springtime is, a, is, is newness. It, it's about re, being refreshed, being revitalized. So I pray today, as, as God, as this sermon was given to me, that you would understand something about spring cleaning. All of us, how many of you do a, a, every, an annual spring cleaning at your house? Okay. <laughs> I'll come to your house and eat. <laughs> how many of you don't do spring cleaning? Okay. How many of you just don't really want to admit that you don't do spring cleaning? Okay. You know what you do in the spring? You get the clutter out. You, you go back and you get the windows washed. You, you clean out stuff that's been in, in drawers that you won't even, you're afraid to open. There's a spirit of fear rises up because of that drawer. If you can't get it open, sometimes there's stuff that's hung on the upside of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Get that door. Man, you have to reach under because stuff is just cluttered. I've got one of those in my office. It's amazing. If it's something I think I need later, I put it in that drawer. But I never use anything in that drawer. <laughs> it's amazing. So today, God just laid this on my heart about that it's a new season. The weather's changing. The flowers are blooming. And it's time for some of us that are dormant. You know what a dormant Christian is? It's a stagnant Christian. A Christian that's kind of just like our St. Augustine grass. How many of you have St. Augustine grass? Mary Lou said, man, everybody else's yard is green, but ours isn't green yet. And I said, it's St. Augustine. Weather's pretty hard on that, that cold. It's kind of brown. But I can see some green starting to pop up. And I turned the water on it yesterday. I said, man, come on, grow. We prophesied over our plants, grow. We got those old pale plants that were out in the, in the garage, and we brought them out into the sunlight. Guess what? They're going to green up. Some of you need to green up. You need to get out in the S-O-N light, right? Amen. Okay, the other day I was doing a search on, on Google about spring cleaning. It's amazing what you can find on Google. Now, one of the very first things that popped up was an article on, on how to organize for spring cleaning. And I thought, as so many times as we see things in the natural, there's a spiritual uh, realm in, this, in that picture. 
And here's what this article said. There are four things to do for spring cleaning. Analyze the areas that need cleaning. Okay, you, this is a note. Y'all can take this down so you can go home and clean your house. <laughs> Honey, you listening? Analyze the areas that need cleaning. Can we say garage? Okay, all right. Did you hear that, Jack? I heard an amen from your wife. But, honey, I'm going to use that someday. Number two, analyze the reasons it got that way. Think about it. If you think in spiritual terms, how did that clutter get there? Okay, number three, find the solutions to correct it. In other words, find out if you analyze what you need to clean, how it got that way, analyze what you need to do to get it cleaned. And then number four is the biggie. Just do it. Okay? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I would like you to stand. We're going to declare two scriptures over the body this morning. First one is 1 Corinthians six nineteen, And then the second one is Psalm 51.10, one of my favorite verses. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Would y'all read this aloud enthusiastically? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Whose are you? That's right. Now, the second one is Psalm 51, 10. I want all of us to declare this self, ask this, speak this this morning over yourself. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Father, bless the power of your word this morning to penetrate our hearts. Bless the power of your word to do surgery this morning that would open up and let out anything that doesn't need to be there that we can have our temples cleansed by you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, this psalm is a famous psalm. There are a lot of psalms that are famous, and, and, but this, to me, is one of the most famous. If you know the story, and I'm just going to give you a little synopsis of the story. This is a psalm, and in my, sub, uh, my subheading under Psalm uh, 51 in my Bible says this, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Nice subtitle, huh? See, Na- uh, uh, King David was... Man, he was exalted. Man, he was the most famous king. Everybody looked to King David because he had risen to the top, and there was no other king like him. When they'd go out to battle, he, God would go with him, and they'd go before him, and they would always conquer all their enemies. But one day, King David said, I think I'll hang out at the house and watch ESPN. And he stayed at the home while all of the soldiers went out and fought in the battle. He didn't fight in the battle. He stayed home because he didn't want to go. He wasn't obedient to the plan God had for him. And so because he stayed home, he kind of got tired of watching TV. So he went up on the roof and he looked across the roof and there was this lady. Now, I don't know why they had bathtubs on the roof. I ain't going to put a bathtub on my roof. Much less take a bath in it for the neighbors to see. But here was this girl. She was up there taking a bath. He wasn't supposed to be there, but he was. And he looked over there and he saw her and said, man, she's beautiful. Bring her to my house. And he had sex with her. She had a baby. And, oh, man, everything just come, came apart. He said, what are we going to do? She, he, she's a married woman. I'm a married man. I know. I will call her husband in and get him drunk and then send him to his wife. And maybe then when he lays down with her, then they'll think that this is 
her and his baby and not mine. He had it all planned out. Anybody ever try to figure out how you're going to get around your sin? How you're going to hide your sin? Well, he had it all figured out. He was going to cover it up. He was like a, one of our, some of our famous presidents. He was going to cover this thing up. The Bible says, and I learned this one in, in camp, be sure your sin will find you out. Listen, even if nobody else knows about your sin, God knows about your sin. And guess what? God hates sin, right? Amen? He just doesn't like sin. He knows what it'll do to you. He knows the harm it'll bring to you. So listen, God exposed his sin. King David went on to have her husband murdered or killed in battle. He had it all set up, and he moved her in. Man, he thought everything was cool. But then this prophet shows up named Nathan. Say Nathan. And Nathan has a word from the Lord, and he exposes this sin. Listen, do you think that there are consequences to your sin even if you're a king? Even if you're loved by God, there are consequences to your sin. The consequence was this baby died. But David got up after he had wept, after he had prayed, he asked God to spare this baby. He had done all these things after he had been caught in his sin. God said, no, the baby's going to die. There are consequences to the sin, David. And he got up, and after that, it was all said and done, he went and worshiped the Lord, and he wrote this psalm. He wrote this song. Now, listen, guys. This is a man that was loved. He was a man after God's own heart. Say that. He was a man after God's own heart. Listen, he loved God. He didn't mean to do what he did, but he just got off track. He got his eyes. He let his eyes wander. He wasn't obedient in what God was calling him to do. He got off track. And so he had to do some spring cleaning. And he knew that the only way he was going to get clean was to go before the Father. Listen, I don't care what sin you've committed. I don't care what you, you committed this morning or last night or last week or 10 years ago. God is the only one that can cleanse that sin. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can cleanse your sin. You can hide it. You can suppress it. You can pretend it never happened. But listen, God knows, and he wants to cleanse you. He doesn't want you to carry that around anymore. God is so gracious. Now, listen, I want to, we're going to read this psalm this morning, and I want you to see how gracious and merciful God is. I don't want you to go away from here saying, oh, I'm a, I'm a horrible sinner. Listen, quit saying that you're a sinner. If you're blood-bought, you're not a sinner anymore. You may sin, but you're not a sinner. You understand that? Quit confessing that. Confess that I am a child of the king. Confess that I'm his beloved. Confess that my sins were washed away at Calvary. Listen, we got to have, have an understanding of who we are in Christ, and then we'll become who he's called us to be. This isn't about, oh, we're not supposed to sin. It's, a, it's about we're supposed to know who we are in Christ. That's how the cleansing comes. We're cleansed by the water of the word. So you're going to get cleansed this morning. I, I pray that you're ready to get cleansed. And we're going to get in this real quick. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Listen, we need mercy. And listen, he didn't say, granted, according to Saul's mercy. That wouldn't have been very good mercy, would it? He didn't say, granted, according to Bathsheba's mercy. He said, it's got to be according to your loving kindness. 
It's only when we come to him and ask him to blot out our transgressions that it can actually take place. Did you know that? We've got to go to the one who can really do it. Some of you are trying a lot of different ways to hide your sin or or shove your sin under the bed. Listen, go to God. He is a merciful God. He is a God that's full of grace. There's none of us here that don't need it. There's none of us. We all need God's mercy. All of us, if we know God and Jesus as our Lord and Savior, listen, we had to throw ourselves on the mercy of him. Just like a man that's guilty of a crime and he says, I have no defense. I have nothing that that can be said that will uh, uh, get me free from this crime. And you have to go before the judge. I'm talking about a a physical judge in a courtroom. You might have to go before him and say, I just throw myself on the mercy of the court. You know what that means? You're leaving it up to him to have mercy. And you're hoping that judge is a merciful judge. You're hoping that he understands and that he gives you some, he cuts you some slack. Listen, God cuts you more slack than any judge on any, on any judgment seat. He cuts a slack. Amen? Look at verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Did you know you're brought forth in sin, the Bible says? And in sin my mother conceived me. Listen, we're all born of the Adamic nature. That means after Adam. We're all born in this thing called sin. That's why babies, when they come out of the chute, they're already mad. They're already wanting their own way. They're already selfish. They're already crying, ah, give me some milk. You know, they're already upset. I haven't seen any babies that come out, hi, Mom, hi, Dad, how are you? Oh, can I help you in any way, Mom, Dad? No. We're born in the Adamic nature. He says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. In other words, you're not brought forth in perfection. Behold you, he's talking to God here. Behold you desire truth in the inward part. Say truth. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Listen, God's desire for you is to walk in truth. It's what Charles was talking about when he got up here and said what he says. What Blenda was talking about, God's desire for you is truth. It's for wisdom. But it's not the truth of the world. It's not the truth of the enemy. It's God's truth. Listen, some of you walked in here and when you're bound up, you think that the wrong thing, the perverted, the perverted thing or the perception of the things that you've heard as a child are really truth. If the enemy is so twisted and perverted the, that stuff in you that you think that you're supposed to be beat down. You're supposed to be abused. That's just the way it is. So you perceive that as truth that you're supposed to be ignorant. Oh, my parents said I would never go to college. They said I wouldn't college material. So you believe that and you just said I'm not going to college because my parents said so that must be true. That's not true. We need to be who God says we are. Amen? I better take a breath. (laughs) Listen, he wants us to have truth in in our inward parts, in our innermost man. He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free, will set you free. How many of you just want to be free? Just this morning, I'm telling you, there's a spring cleaning coming. Some of you are still, you're, you're carrying the trash bag. Man, put it in the trash bin. Put it in that Rubbermaid thingy and, and dump the trash in there and get it out to the dump. Get it out to the curb. Get it away from you. Only, only God can take that away from you. But you've got to be willing to give it to him. Do you want to keep living a lie or do you want to start living in the truth? Verse 7, perch me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. You know, it's interesting that David used the word hyssop there. It was a, it was a, it was a plant. And though, there are not many mentions of hyssop in the Bible, but the ones that are there are pretty important. When the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, and Jesus and, and Moses had made a way, God had made a way through Moses to get them out of there. He said, listen, tonight you take, you, you, you cut open a lamb, you take the blood of the lamb, and you take a hyssop limb or a branch. You dip it in that blood, and you, you, put that, you paint it over the doorpost. He said, then when the angel of death comes and he sees the blood, he will pass over your house, and you will live. David knew the value of the hyssop. David knew that the blood, he knew that, that the sacrifice that God had made, even then in Egypt, that's what he was living under, the Abraham covenant. He knew that that was enough. He also knew something else was coming. He prophesied that something else was coming. But he says, purge me. That means cleanse me. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Listen now, I don't care how dark your life is, how dark the sin is in you, how deep, how grungy and all that. Listen, when Jesus Christ, when the blood comes, it's just awesome. It just makes everything go away. It makes you clean. How many of you remember that first day, that first time you, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's like you were like 100 pounds lighter. All of a sudden, wow, you mean I don't have to carry that stuff anymore? You mean I don't have to drag that? Over? No, Jesus paid the price. He took it upon himself. We need to be purged. We need to be cleansed this morning. We don't need, need to live in the shadow of a death angel. And then verse 10, this is one of my early memorization verses. Create, who's the creator? God. Did you, really, did you know that nothing else can be created because God's already created it? Now, I know we talk about, well, we've created this and we've created that. Listen, God's already done everything. He's already put all that stuff in our hands. There's nothing new, Solomon says, under the sun. Oh, but what about computers? Listen, God made available all that. God is creator. Understand, God is creator. And he says this, create in me. This is King David. Bad man, bad sin. He had had a man murdered. He had committed adultery. He had, he had done some horrible things. Listen, he said, create, God, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. My heart is dirty. I need it to be cleansed. Listen, he was a man after God's own heart, remember? He said, create, do something new in me, Lord. Some of you need something new in you. You're, you're still walking in the old man, even though you're a believer, you're still dragging that old stinky corpse behind you, and you're not understanding who you are in Christ. I think I could preach that sermon every Sunday for a year. We need to know who we are in Christ. Create in me a clean heart. Listen, when he talked about heart, when you do a study of the, word, he, the Hebrew word heart, He's talking about your inmost being. He's talking about your mind. He's talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. He's talking about all of you inside. He's calling, he's calling that our heart. The way you think, the way you act, your thought processes, all those things. He's talking about clean me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. 
And then he says this, and renew a steadfast. That is a strong, courageous, founded spirit. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Listen, Christians, we need to be renewed constantly. We need to be transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. Some of you, your mind is only renewed once a week. Because you happen to come to church and you let, oh, I'm going to listen to the pastor this morning. I'm going I'm to worship the Lord and I'm going to get renewed. Listen, it doesn't work that way. God wants you to be renewed continually. He wants you to die to self continually. He wants you to wake up in the morning declaring that his mercies are new today. He wants you to wake up every day and say, I need to get in the word today. I need to see what God is wanting to show me today. Listen, it's just not good enough. It, it won't keep you. It won't keep you growing and being transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're just once in a while getting in the word of God. Listen, what do we say the word is? It's life. So if you're not in the word, you're not into life. I will encourage you every, every day. Open the word. Open a devotional book. Something. Turn on TBN. I'm not a big fan of TBN. But listen, if that's all you can do, turn it on. Turn on the inspirational network. Do something to get fed by the word of God. (laughs) David had stepped out of God's grace. You ever done that? You sin when you know you shouldn't have. You get caught up in something that you know that's not what God's plan is for your life. See, I don't believe you can fall from grace, but I believe you can fall out of grace. I believe you can walk into this thing called legalism and get totally out of God's grace. Just, just start doing your own thing and trying to keep the, all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted. And when you do that, listen, you need, to, you need to ask God to create in you a clean heart, to understand his mercy and his grace are new every day. So many people get caught up in this web of, of legalism. Anybody know what I mean by legalism? It's like trying to please God by doing this and not doing that. And again, that's done out of an identity that's not in Christ. It's done out of an identity that I have to work my way to get to heaven. If I don't do the right things, then God's not going to like me anymore and he's going to quit loving me. That's a lie from the devil. It's just a lie from the devil. There's nothing you can do, church, that will keep God from loving you. Y'all believe that? Nothing you can do that will keep him from loving you. But I'll tell you what, when, when Paul spoke about legalism, that was one thing that upset him more than anything was the fact that people kept trying to go back to circumcision. They kept trying to go back to the law. And he said, listen, it's by grace you are saved, not of works lest any man should boast. The devil has a heyday with legalists. Y'all believe that? Am I just speaking something? Oh, this, this doesn't make sense to me. Does God want us to do right? Does he want us to obey him? Yes. Does he want us to do it because we're afraid that he'll strike us dead if we don't? No. He wants us to do it out of our love for him. King David, in verse 11, he said something that just, there was a fear in him like no other. He said this, do not cast me away from your presence. 
Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Listen, if you're born again, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, he won't take his Holy Spirit away from you. But you can sure not yield to it. You can still do your own thing. It's there, but you don't have to listen to him. You don't have to agree with him. That's called, oh, when I was growing up, it's called backsliding. You want to go ahead and do your thing, your own thing, your own way. Listen, God will discipline those he loves. He will bring you around. But David is in a place where he's done a horrible thing. He says, please don't take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. What I liken this to and what David is speaking is this great thing called humility. Listen, how, how, how horrible would it be once to be a Christian and then never know God again? Can you imagine all of a sudden just not knowing him anymore? But how many of you have walked away from God? Just raise your hands. How many of you walked away from him? But when you came back and said, Lord, would you take me back? What does he always say? He said, I never left you. Prodigal son, he left. He walked away. When he came back, his dad didn't say, I don't know you, son. I, I don't know. Who are you? What did he do to the son? He ran to him. He put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger. He said, man, welcome back. My son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead. Now he's alive. Go, let's have a party for my son. He's returned. That's how God is. Guess what? The legalistic son was the one out in the field. He said, look, I've worked and worked and worked for you, father. How come you haven't thrown me a party? You haven't even killed the goat for me. You haven't even taken me to McDonald's. <laughs> He was a works-oriented guy. And what did the father say to him? He said, son, everything I have is already yours. Listen, we've got to get this concept away that we have to do all these things to please God. All he wants you to do is love him. Out of that devotion and love will come all the works. I just don't think we cross that yet in a lot of ways. If we just give somebody some clothes and we just pray for them, listen, that's what Jesus said to do. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I want his grace. I want his grace. Look at verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Some people, how many of you know Christians that have no joy? Don't want to hang around them. Everything coming out of their mouth is what? Negative. Everything coming out of them is grumbling and complaining. And you just kind of want to keep your distance from them. That's what I love about this fellowship. I've gotten to where I don't even want to do the first song. I just want Jeff and them to do the song. I just want to hang out with out here where everybody's smiling and shaking hands and hugging each other and talking about yesterday and things that are going on in the body. Man, that's where I want to hang out. I think that's why people are coming here because they know that there's joy here, that there's life here, that people are giving stuff away. We're not asking them to give. We're just giving it away. Now, listen to what David said. It's very important, this verse 12. He said, restore to me the, not my salvation. He didn't say restore my salvation, did he? He said, restore the 
joy of your salvation. Listen, our salvation is not from us. It's from him. That's why he says your salvation. We can't save ourselves. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. All we can do is hook them up with the one who can. Restore the joy of your salvation, Lord. I want to laugh again. I've been through a horrible time, Lord. I've done some horrible things. I had a man killed. I I had committed adultery. I've had some horrible things happen in my life. He said, I have no joy. Restore the joy of your salvation. But listen, he couldn't have that joy back unless he'd been cleansed. And some of you this morning, you're carrying stuff that you need to let go of. And the joy is not there. You have nothing good to say about much of anything. If that's you this morning, this message is for you. There is cleansing that comes from Jesus Christ. I like this next verse, how it ties into the last one. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Listen, it's hard to minister out of woundedness. It's hard to minister out of guilt and shame. He said, look, Lord, cleanse me, create in me a clean heart, and renew a right or a steadfast spirit within me, return me to the joy of my salvation. It, then I can start ministering to other people. Then I can teach transgressors their ways. Listen, he was going to teach them from his experience. Listen, he was, he's going to be a great teacher because he can say, look, I've done this, this, and this, but God saved me anyway. That's what I love, testimonies. I I love it when people say, I've been through this, this, and this, but they don't dwell on the that, that, and that. They dwell on and give recognition and honor and glory to God in the process that he brought me through this. And now I can help you. When I'm walking around there there yesterday, Teresa, how many people did you pray with, Teresa? A bunch. How many of you know Teresa? How many of you know that there's joy all over her? How many of you know everything in her life isn't perfect yet? She hasn't got it all figured out? She's still making some mistakes? But listen, God's got a hold of her, and there's joy in her life. Her heart's been cleansed, even through all the junk that she's been through. She's been cleansed by the blood of Christ, and she goes around with joy. She just wants to pray with people. Kitty, I've heard Kitty. She goes through the, the terrace where my mother lives and talks to people about Jesus Christ. A lot of the people that go to the terrace go there because they feel, well, this is where I'm going to end my life. Woe is me. Kitty goes and said, this is my mission field. I don't care what you, listen, what you've gone through is important, but don't use that to be negative. Use that to say, look what God, this is the way I used to be. Look what God's doing in me now. And he can do the same for you. I mean, there are testimonies. I can pick out people in this place this morning. There are testimonies all over this place. And you're, you're ministering out of the joy and not out of your woundedness. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. See, we need to have some healing. Then we need to have some deliverance. He says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. I hope that's your prayer this morning. Deliver me. Maybe you haven't killed anybody, but I've actually talked to people that actually kill people. But you've killed them with your words. 
You've killed them with unkindness. You've killed them with hate. You've killed them by holding a grudge. You've killed a dream here and a dream there. Listen, we've all done some killing. Amen? We've all done some things we shouldn't have done. We spoke things. We spoke death instead of life. I'm telling you, we've all done that. But listen, you don't have to live there. You don't have to stay there. Listen, if your house is cluttered, it doesn't have to stay cluttered. Anybody ever been in somebody's home that you could tell they had no money? They were just broke as they could be, but their house was clean. That's kind of what David's talking about here. He said, my spirit's broken, but Lord, clean my house out. You know what hangs out at homes that are not clean? Roaches, insects, mice, stuff like that. Kind of reminds me of the devil. When we are not willing to say, God, cleanse me, and then begin to walk in that cleansing, the enemy comes in. I started to use that scripture about, you know, when you the, when your house is swept clean, the enemy will go get his friends. If there's nothing else filling up the void, the, 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 the enemy will go get his friends and bring them all back and say, hey, here's a clean house. Listen, as, be, as believers, we're filled with the Spirit of God. But some of you, if you're not yielding to God, if you're not yielding to the Spirit, the enemy will come and he will try to harass you. He'll try to bring filth back into your house. Verse 15 and 16 and 17, I want to close with those three. This is where we've got to come to a place, church. Oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. It's like my wife says to us. She says to Wes and me and Casey and whoever else will listen, open your mouth and speak it. Quit speaking the death and open your mouth and start speaking life. Prophesy over your lawn. Prophesy over your children. Prophesy over your checkbook. Start speaking life over your job. Speak life over your kids. Listen, we got enough kids out there without godly parents that are speaking death every day to their kids. We need to speak life. Just like Blenda saying, let's speak life to these children. Children, speak life to your parents. Open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. When we're speaking life, we're speaking praise to God because he is the giver of life. Listen, he says, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not, do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You know what he's saying there? Humble yourself. Exalt God. Let him break through. Humble you. Bring you to a relationship with him and a fellowship with him. It's beyond measure. The message puts those last three verses or last couple of verses like this. Going through the motions doesn't please you, God. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. He's not asking for perfection. Listen, our perfection's him. Our righteousness is him. Our covering 
is him. We are bought and paid for with a price. You are not your own. I think God wants what he owns to be clean. What do you think? What God owns, what he has given his blood for through his son, Jesus Christ, he wants it to be clean. And listen, I want to tell you, you can't do it by yourself. You've got to partner with God. We've got to walk it out with God. He wants you clean this morning. Would you stand?